This is John Beathan with AlternativeHealthTools.com website, and I wanted to welcome you and just check in and see how you're doing in there. Today's show is titled Intro to Energy Medicine 101, and Lisa's interviewing Dr. Patricia Brown, Ph.D. and DVM. They're covering everything as an introduction to energy medicine, which is often called vibrational medicine. Make sure you drop by the website at AlternativeHealthTools.com. Go to show number 33. You're going to see all the links that Dr. Brown mentions in the show, and we've also included a two-page PDF with additional information. The thing is, when you have an injury, it's very difficult to tell. It's like throwing a pebble in the water and those waves that go out. It's not going to be as severe further out, but it's still out there. And so I've got to say, well, this is the area of the injury, and this is what I'm going to work on, and I will restore some of the energy. And you're actually charging the cell's batteries again because the mitochondria are what produces the ATP. And once that, um, that cell has lost its high transmembrane potential, it can't really get the mitochondria working again. And so we are actually going to mitochondria, charging the cell's batteries, whether we use laser or whether we use microelectric current and so on. other amazing uh, trainings and certifications. Uh, She's a doctorate of veterinary medicine and has a a wealth of information about energy medicine. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. So Dr. Brown, you have a really uh, comprehensive uh, presentation and explanation about energy medicine that you're going to share with us. So I'm going to let you just kind of go through it and then interject questions periodically. Uh, if that's comfortable for you. That's comfortable for me, and uh, uh, this is part of a presentation that I do present to uh, lay people in my area because I think it's really important um, for people to have information about energy medicine, which is an alternative way to being treated for disease and also for preventing uh, disease. And it's just one of the things that I incorporate into my own life as I've learned more and more about energy medicine and health ways. My life has changed considerably having this knowledge. And so if people understand what energy medicine is, and then it doesn't matter to me whether they want to uh, buy into it and use any of the facilities, but at least they can make some educated um, decisions based on knowing what else is out there. Right. So so really, what I try to do is go through, try and explain exactly what energy medicine is and how it works, and also what are the techniques and modalities used in energy medicine. And actually, I think people will be quite surprised that they may not realize that they have been treated with an energy medicine (laughs) modality. Right. And then I saw what kind of conditions that it does treat. So moving on from that, let's let's address the first question, that is, what is energy medicine? So basically, energy medicine is both a complement to other approaches to medical care and also a complete system for self-care and self-help. Right. It can address physical illnesses and emotional or mental disorders and can also promote high-level wellness and peak performance. So athletes, for instance, 
often get treated by some of these modalities in order for them to be able to perform better. Uh, an athlete, whether it's a human athlete or whether it's an animal athlete, such as a racehorse or an agility dog, they're doing things that their body really wasn't built to do, and they do get injured. And treating them with energy medicine and catching any of the minor injuries early is going to stop that cascading downhill to get more serious problems. Right. So, so you heal the body... Uh, when you're using energy medicine, by activating its natural healing energies, um, you also heal the body by restoring energies um, that have become weak, disturbed, or out of balance. Um, and by learning simple energy techniques to keep your energies balanced and, and humming, you can improve your health, sharpen your mind, and increase your joy and vitality. And one of the things that a lot of people are doing is yoga. Right. And yoga really helps put your body. I have only done a little of it, but I believe you, Lisa, do do yoga. I have practiced a lot. Not the last several months uh, since our move, but I've been practicing for about 15 years yeah. um, uh, pretty consistently. And, uh, and yeah, it is. It's a very effective way to balance energies mm-hmm. and just kind of smooth out their rough edges. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then also meditation. I mean, first thing in the morning now, I go and sit out on my patio and do the things and sit with my dogs. And then I do a very small, simple exercise where I relax and then bring in the surrounding energy because I've actually made a very peaceful area that I can go and sit in and energize myself for the day. And are you are you barefoot when you do that? I know there's a lot of information now about actually getting our bare feet onto the ground because that's going to discharge chaotic energy mm-hmm. and help us to ground and feel uh, more balanced. Yeah, I think that would be ideal. It wouldn't be on grass. It would be on the con- <laughs> concrete. But, uh, yes, I, I, I've been really getting very interested in, in, in grounding and there are various ways that you can do it. But the most obvious way is to go bare feet and walk. Unfortunately, in my yard, there's too, too, too many fire ants that I might not see. Well, so, and just by virtue of uh, thinking about grounding, like literally thinking yeah, about exactly. your feet, yeah. it's, it is directing. I mean, that, that's the whole point is that energy everything is energy so uh and we can direct that energy so even if you're not literally feet on the ground you just think it and it's helping to direct it yeah and that's a very interesting point because um when i'm dealing and i have several different animals to do in a day and i'm energetically doing some treatment with one of the modalities that i'm using and then i've got to go on to another animal I have to clear myself of that animal's energy by doing exactly what you say, is, is, is go out there, breathe, just let the energy come back up, and, uh, and so I can go to the next animal. I, it, it, it's almost like uh, washing your hands between animals because, you know, I just don't want to take the energy from one to another. Because you really are an empath. Like, you're able to sense what's going on with an animal, um, you know, even before you do uh, a, a true, you know, veterinary diagnostic, you're able to sense these things intuitively uh, because of all the work you've done in energy and studying that you've done in energy medicine. Yeah. Yes, I... 
my intuition was better than I ever thought. I just learned to trust it a little better. Right. <laughs> and so consequently, and then also I think whatever modality that you're using, it becomes very important to actually, it's your intention. And so sometimes with some of the modalities I use, and I may be using the same as somebody else and I instruct them how to use them, I get better results. And I don't think they fully understand the fact that it's their intention that's actually making it a lot better. And maybe a lack of intention sometimes. People probably are going into something with a feeling of doubt and mm-hmm. and that uh, is is um, interfering with their ability to create a result, uh, probably. Yeah. And then, at least in veterinary medicine, quite often it's not the veterinarian that's, that's actually doing it. He'll do the diagnosis and then... Let's take an example of using a laser protocol. Um, That's a whole talk in and of itself in terms of different lasers and not having high-power lasers and so on. And so their technicians do it. And I've gone into some practices and I've seen the technician just waving the light at them and they've got the cell phone over here texting. (sighs) Now, tell me what's wrong with that picture. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of disorganized energy. It's uh, yeah. obvious you need to be focused on the healing, the laser. Now, really, right now you, you have a lot of information about lasers, yeah. but you mentioned briefly about high-powered lasers. So I'm assuming when you said that, that you're meaning that they're more effective? No, they're not. They're not. No. Okay. Uh, because there's... there's um, when they were first introduced into veterinary medicine, they were actually uh, extrapolated from lasers that were cutting lasers and surgical lasers. And there was a lot of them that are out there that are 12 watt. And the measurements that they use for those are there's a so-called magic um, 10 joules per centimeter squared, which is uh, supposed to be the... Um, therapeutic dose. It's the holy grail of the laser. Uh, exactly. And so... What they have done, some of them, they've actually, they said, well, if we've got to get six centimeters into the body, then um, it doesn't, certain wavelengths don't penetrate as deep. And so consequently, it'll take a lot more power to be able to get that to penetrate into the body. And they measured that by taking a column of water and shining the 12-watt lasers through that, and they're measuring at 6 centimetres, and they find they only get about 28% of the energy at that. But that's straight physics. You're not dealing with biophysics and, and a living being. Right. And so consequently, um, they've, they've not taken into account that the body is already communicating photonically. On the outside of the cell, there are integrins, which are receptors for photons. And so photons are actually um, being utilized in the body all the time for all the communications. I mean, if you look at, say, an agility dog and all the things, all the information that's got to go back and forth to make that dog do what it does... It's moving at the speed of light in there. Right. Even, even the speed of um, the nerves can't account for for all that right. that the dog does. So, um, but we can measure now that uh, the cells, and it's shown, it's definitely shown um, scientifically, and it's also in the literature that the the photons uh, and the integrins are the receptors for the photons on the cells. So literally, everything is happening. Uh, 
energetically. Yeah. Uh, all of the processes, uh, mm-hmm. at, like you talk about in your presentation, you know, the body is the organs, yeah. and then that yeah. gets down to cells, and then the cells get down to atoms, and the atoms yeah. break down to, to ad- uh, subatomic particles. Yeah. So everything is really functioning on an energetic level. Exactly. I, I'm curious, when we talk about photons, for some reason I think of light. Well, that's exactly what they are. It is. And so... Uh, look at the speed of light, 186 million miles per second. That's pretty um, fast. That's pretty fast. <laughs> so all of the communication, I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, because I'm not a scientist, yeah. but all of the communication in the in the, the body or even in animals mm-hmm. uh, is happening as a result of a communication of light? Not only light, it's also, it, it's also the electrons. So the electrons. We, we talk about microelectric current. And really... Um, there's a page, what I'll get to further on is actually what happens um, once you get an injury uh, because that actually slows down the um, life force or the energy in that area of the body. Sure. And so sometimes that can stay in place for years. If it's not corrected. If it's not corrected. And I assume it's safe to say if we... Uh, help the energy to be corrected more quickly, uh, odds are that recovery is going to happen faster as opposed to if there's a disturbance in the flow of energy in a system because of a trauma or or some issue, then uh, it becomes a pattern, correct? Exactly. And and I think one of the important things, I mean, I've used um, many modalities with respect to... uh, putting the energy back into the body, and and I first started out using lasers. Um, But the thing is, when you have an injury, it's very difficult to tell. It's like throwing a pebble in the water and those waves that go out. It's not going to be as severe further out, but it's still out there. And so I've got to say, well, this is the area of the injury, and this is what I'm going to work on, and I will restore some of the energy, um, and you're actually charging the cell's batteries again because the mitochondria are what produces the ATP. And once that, um, that cell has lost its high transmembrane potential, it can't really get the mitochondria working again, and so we are actually going to mitochondria charging the cell's batteries, whether we use laser or whether we use microelectric current and so on. So what I, was do, what I do with the laser, I can actually go into that area and I do, get, I do get results. And I do get clinical results, but I have no way to totally measure where I've taken, taken care of it. And that's where a microelectric current machine that has feedback tells me whether that uh, current is going through and that we've actually cleared that pathway. Is so, it gives me a lot more information. And I use both kinds of technologies, and I, I'll use them interchangeably. But the, the joy of being able to measure whether you're actually getting that current through where you need to to restore that pathway of energy... I think is really important. Right. And this is, I mean, this is something that I have a lot of firsthand experience working with our technologies, with Intel biotechnologies. Mm-hmm. And um, just to restate it in simple terms, I mean, when we put two probes or two plates, we get a reading and it's a, it's a level of conductivity yeah. or actually it's a level of impedance. Yeah. And within seconds of, of stimulating, using an absorbable level of current, mm-hmm. uh, we're immediately able to see that there's a, a better conductivity or there's less impedance there. And I think, uh, you know, we often make reference to the Nobel Prize 
uh, in science back in 1991, I think it was Nair and Sackman, mm -hmm. that established that the cell membranes are controlled electrically at like a trillionth of an amper yeah. or nano amper. Does that carry over into all animals? So that, I mean, that that study, I'm wondering the patch clamp that they created, were they, were they measuring the electron potential on human cells or was it, what type of cells was it? I have is to confess, I, I know of the study, but I haven't I haven't read it in depth. But but yes, if you're a mammal or actually any, even any cell, any cell, right. you can actually do it. And I think you brought up a very good point there because what is what what is important is the body needs gentle um, uh, probing and so on. And in the uh, veterinary industry, they use something called shockwave therapy. And um, they have to anesthetize the horse for it to be able to, to take it. And what it does is it causes scar tissue. And so um, it actually will heal a little faster. And I put that in quotation marks because if you're working on tendons, what's, a, what's, what's the function of a tendon or a ligament? It's to be able to stretch and contract, stretch and contract. Now, if you put scar tissue in the middle of that, you've got an accident waiting to happen because right. it can't have that same stretch because you put scar tissue in there. And that isn't what you want. So if you have low energy levels like you have with low-level laser, 5 milliwatts, 7.5 milliwatts, as opposed to 12 watts, you're gently getting the body to heal itself. We don't heal. We don't heal. Right. All we are are the messengers when using these different modalities right. and, and some modalities I've been trained to actually use my hands and I can actually restore the energy in a dog's back and when I, I was trained on dogs and I thought I wonder if I could do that on horses and so uh, what you're looking for is that where, where does that bone feel comfortable, where does it need and you know that you can feel that the muscles around it are tense and so you actually then you contact it and you can suddenly feel the energy on your, under your fingers moving around and moving around and then it slows down and then you try to feel and then you can feel the energy going through. And I know when I've done horses' backs and I've shown them that it didn't move originally and then I come back and do it, they look at me as if, where did this lady come from, planet right. Mars? <laughs> well, so. but really all of us are yeah. electric uh, beings exactly. and, and these are electrodes yeah. uh, we you know i mean yeah. all you have to do is drag your feet across yeah. the carpet and then yeah. touch a piece of metal and that energy gets discharged exactly so and that's a very simple way to demonstrate that that we hold electrical potential and and i i mean i believe you know energy medicine is the oldest me medicine that there is yeah. and so it, while it is having a resurgence and it's starting to be um, scientifically proven, and now with these technologies like laser, like the equiscope, the proscope mm. that we use, uh, there's this amazing ability to demonstrate how real it is and why it's real. Yeah. And I'm, I, I am excited, especially when people come and experience our technology to teach them and give them the opportunity to realize, like you were saying, that they are capable of healing themselves. In fact, that's the only way anything, anyone, any animal ever mm -hmm. heals. The bodies heal itself. Uh, it is just advantageous to be able to deliver absorbable energy to shift, like you said, the trauma or the blockage mm -hmm. um, in in uh, the tissue. And um, 
And that works for not only trauma, but for even emotional things. Uh, that is just, uh, that, that's a big subject in and of itself because yeah. there are ways of self-healing and I've, I've done some training and I've actually experienced some myself. There's uh, memory in your cells, some inherited, some from childhood experiences. There's a lot of so research on. coming out that we do. We hold these memories of trauma, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're not only dealing with our own bad experiences, we're trying to get over our uh, lineage of uh, trauma, right? Uh, and exactly. And, and I, I think um, probably I, I, years ago, even before, and I, was, I went to veterinary medicine later in life, but I read Deepak Chopra's book, The, the Mind-Body Connection, and there was a, a sentence in, in there, uh, and I had it recorded, and I can even hear it in my mind saying, and it, I don't know why it stayed in my mind, but he said, the body is a veritable pharmacy. It delivers the right drug at the right time in the right amount, and there are no side effects. And that's exactly what goes on. The body wants to heal itself right. with the messengers to, to help it do that. But then even people that say, well, I'm not lucky, everything goes wrong for me, the energy that you give out with your thoughts is what you attract back. Right. Because we're, we're like uh, little radio towers, aren't exactly. we? Exactly. Yes. Sending and receiving yeah. information and uh, and... I think it's probably safe to say that if the body is um, balanced and mm -hmm. even uh, uh, careful with the word pure, but yeah. I think that there's um, a certain amount of toxic burden that we're all dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I think that when the body is hydrated properly, given proper nutrients, uh, and particularly you know the minerals for conductivity, because this is a big thing in the body of, like we were saying, mm -hmm. how it communicates and how it heals, so when, you know, spongy, watery, electrical donut that we mm -hmm. call the body um, is uh, a little bit uh, less toxic, because <laughs> yeah. it's always toxic, I mean, that's just part of existence, and uh, uh, more well hydrated and well mineralized mm -hmm. so that all of this electrical potential can happen, then uh, we're able to send and receive information more effectively. Yeah, that that's very true. But then also you mentioning nutrition. Um, I've actually, with the laser, been able to turn hypothyroidism around in dogs that have been on it for a long period of time. But I can only do it in dogs that are on the right diet because if you don't have the building blocks that you're putting right. into your mouth, you're not going to have the response. So nutrition is a very big part of healing. Right. And I have talked with people uh, who have suffered like sports injuries and said the same, you know, particularly with the technology. And this is with the technology, the healing happens faster because it's absorbable energy. But I'm always advising them. And I, I mean, they have to go to their practitioner for, mm. for more detailed information, but they need something to rebuild that tissue. They have to have the building blocks, the amino acids, yeah. maybe the bone broth is mm -hmm. uh, a simple food that has a lot of those nutrients in it for rebuilding tissue. Uh, but there are many ways to get it. But it's, it's true, um, whether you're working on animals or humans, they need the building blocks in addition to the energy. For and that, it to repair. That's why the ideal diet for a dog is, is raw food. But not every person that's got the dogs can be able to do that. So when I'm advising them, I try to um, give them a balance. So anyway, uh, so I do give them some raw, 
because they need that. So when you say raw, is that raw meats or raw vegetables? Raw meat raw... and some raw vegetables. And some raw vegetables. Yeah. Um, so... you, you can actually chop kale and stuff like that. Dogs aren't, aren't people think of them as, as obligate carnivores, but they're not obligate carnivores. If out in the wild, when they catch the prey, they go actually to the intestines first and so on, and their prey are usually um, animals that eat vegetation and so on. So right. they do need uh, some of that. So, you know, the industry, the feed industry is, is getting more conversant. They put stuff in that but they also put preservatives which yeah. doesn't help us very much so if i can encourage people to prepare their own diets but it's difficult um right. sometimes to get them to do that so uh you have to advise them what might be the best well and you think about it i mean i every animal i've ever uh, been around i've watched it go and eat grass so they they obviously must need something chlorophyll something is in the grass is uh helping their digestion or they must need something in it or they wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, a lot of people associate the meeting grass with actually um, vomiting afterwards, and that's not always the case. But no, it is. Yeah. It, 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 that happens sometimes. But no, they do require a more balanced diet than, yeah. than we uh, think. But the, if I could advise anybody at all, I'd get them off grain. Right. Any, any, anything that has grain because they really react to gluten. And yeah. I, you can examine a dog and you know right away that they've got to get it off that before you can do anything. Right. Well, because the gluten really, I mean, it's, it's very inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially the dogs, but probably humans too. <laughs> yeah, at least for me, I have celiac, so I can't eat it. But I know it's probably causing inflammation for most people. Just some people can tolerate it better. You can be highly gluten sensitive, but you may not be gluten sensitive. But getting off gluten as much as you can is, is better. And certainly, I've gone that way, and and getting where I am and know that I've got some arthritis. It it really inflames the arthritis badly. So if you can, and grain, grain in general, because yeah. I mean, all grain uh, tends to have um, mold and mm -hmm. uh, breaks down to sugar, so it can only be inflammatory, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you were mentioning that about correcting hypothyroid in dogs. Have you not done the same with horses? Uh, you don't see that condition very much in horses, but you, we're seeing more and more metabolic horses that are insulin resistant and so on. So, um, I, again, it's got a lot to do with the high sugar diets and so on. And then they, then they get laminitic and they get all kinds of things and cushionoid. Um, but I haven't done it in horses. Um, they don't because they don't get the hypothyroidism. Not that I've seen, it's no. Um, but dogs definitely do. Cats the the opposite, hyperthyroid, and so it's just a matter of um, balancing the body again. Now the laser companies, the large laser companies of the twelve watt, they say you've got to stay away from the endocrine system and so on. And even the laser company that's a low level that I use because they haven't done the double blind placebo uh, crossover studies and so on, they can't claim it. But as a veterinarian that uses it judiciously, I can show cases where I've done, but it's not enough cases for, to be used. So as an integrated veterinarian uh, my job is to do the best I can for the patient in front of me. Right. And I have a bag of tools. And sometimes it's a hammer and a nail, and sometimes <laughs> it's a spanner and a screwdriver, and sometimes it's everything. <laughs>
Now, but let's talk about some of the real tools. You you use a specific laser. Which which laser uh, do you do you use? Mostly? I actually use the Arconia laser. Arconia. Yeah, which is a low level laser, and they've done a lot of research with it. A 635 nanometer wavelength. They also have a 405 wavelength that is antifungal, antibacterial, and so on. And they've they've got a lot of lasers that are out there in the human market that have done a lot. The ones that we use in the veterinary market are only at the most 7.5 milliwatts. Now you mentioned about staying away from um, the the thyroid uh, mm-hmm. with lasers. Uh, is that all lasers? The high power ones. I the use these. Uh, use I, I use these to activate the hypothalamus, anterior pituitary, okay. thyroid, um, adrenal complex, because the different cells in the body respond to different frequencies, okay. and the frequencies I can program the frequencies into this one based on the knowledge and and, and a lot of stuff that came from Royal Rife's work in terms of he did it with, with, with microelectric current, but um, and I use these depending on on what I'm. What, what I want to treat and my treatment times are only three minutes yeah. but according to popular thoughts right now is that I should be treating for three and a half hours right. and I challenged somebody once and I said well you know I'm getting the same results with with this low level laser and so he said well I didn't say you wouldn't get results I said well yes you did because you, you're saying that I couldn't get a therapeutic dose to where I needed to and if I put my clinician's hat on and I say, well, I'm getting a clinical response. So if I'm getting a clinical response, I've got to have a therapeutic dose. Right. And I think probably people are used to thinking they need to use the hammer, which is why certain modalities um, like the shockwave that are like literally, I mean, it's literally like just punching. It's like whapping the system, which of course is going to incite uh, like a white blood cell response. You know, if you traumatize some something, mm-hmm. uh, it incites a healing response. But creating more trauma just to create a healing response probably is not the wisest way to go about it. Like you are talking about more low-level laser that's absorbable and using much smaller amounts of time where uh, a very gentle amount of absorbable energy is actually being used to just create this subtle shift so that the body, uh, whether it's an animal or human, is now healing itself more effectively. That's correct. But I will, not, I will say that the, the um, Class 4 lasers, they do work pretty well on arthritic conditions, but if you use them a lot, then they are going to destroy cells. But um, they also will give heat. Some of them are in the infrared range. Mm-hmm. And so um, we all know if we have aches and pains and we put some, some heat on it, you will see some more immediate responses on things like that. But you can't, you can't use them uh, for as many different conditions and so on because it is contraindicated. Now, you mentioned infrared, and you use infrared, but that's more of a diagnostic tool, correct? I, I, I use the uh, thermography camera mm-hmm. as a diagnostic, so I'm, I'm recording the heat that's coming off. I'm not sending something right. out. So it's a very good diagnostic tool in terms of seeing where inflammation is and whether you make a difference. Yeah. And we've used uh, a thermal imaging uh, for pre and post uh, result tracking with the Equiscope. And of course, it's an amazing tool to use with a technology uh, like the Equiscope because we can show 
right prior to the therapy, you can see the inflammation plain, plainly mm-hmm. in, in the images. And then immediately after uh, the therapy, we see that the inflammation is um, greatly reduced, if not entirely gone. And uh, now you were mentioning earlier uh, before uh, we started recording about a, an animal that you did a thermal image that didn't have a lot of inflama- inflammation, but you were able to demonstrate range of the increased range Ra- of motion. Range of motion, yes. Yeah. And that's, that, that's really important. And the thing is that um, with a horse or a dog, depending on where the conditions are, um, you can't compare, say, oh, this is a normal pattern. A normal pattern on a horse is that it's actually, it's the same on both sides. And if you see it being a lot hotter in an area on the other side, that's where you know you've got inflammation. Well, not all conditions have inflammation, and particularly if it's a more chronic condition, it probably doesn't have as much inflammation because inflammation comes um, in, in the acute phase, and so you can't always see it. So the one, yes, we did range of motion. We did do another one that we actually did reduce um, the uh, heat in the back. And this was, um, was this pre- and post-equiscope therapy? or Yes. Just, yeah. yes. Uh, what other tools, uh, I know you've got a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, what other tools do you use on a regular basis with the animals? Um, I more recently got into balancing the chakras, and that comes back from an old Indian culture, and uh, people are becoming more and more observant of it and and so I've been using tuning forks and um, as I'm not touching people I actually use them on people and I use them on myself and I get some really good responses when I finish going through and what what is a, a tuning forks that start from low C up to high C and with low so C you start at the root chakra so this would be a low C yeah so now does it matter what you strike these um it's something that's around and so they kindly provided For anybody that's Canadian or has lived up north, a hockey puck. (laughs) (laughs) Are you supposed to touch it to something or does it... Uh, Okay, with the chakras, what you're doing is you're actually hitting that and then you've got the animal or person in front of you and uh, you're doing just increasing size circles around, uh, just aimed towards the chakra. And, and, and I mean, you can, fe- you can feel yeah. it. You can feel yeah. the energy coming off of, and certainly when you're holding it, you can feel the resonance coming off of the tuning fork. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's unmistakable that there's energy coming off of it. And, and so what you're saying is that uh, the low C, this, does this uh, apply for the, the base chakra? That, that applies to the root chakra. The and root if you chakra. look on it, you'll find that it tells you, uh, what, 256 hertz is what it's ah so it actually lists the hertz yeah you can see that yeah so and then it goes up a whole octave uh and so as you go up the whole octave um then the next one is going to be the sacral the next one will be um will be the solar plexus next one will be the heart then you'll go to the throat then you'll go to the brow and then you'll go to the crown And then you'll go to um, the ethereal one on the outside, and then we have the ohm one. And apparently with humans, I'm told, and I, they tried to make me do it, but I'm, I'm not very musical, but if you can <coughs> hum to that same sound, it actually takes in the sound better. Oh, so if it, let's see. This one's pretty high. <laughs> it's a pretty high note. 
<laughs> so, um, and what is interesting, and I should record it at some point, but what is interesting is that um, if I finished a treatment, whether I'm using laser or the proscope and so on, and I've done the treatment on the animal, then I'll finish them off by using the, um, the tuning forks. And the response sometimes is amazing. With horses, they'll lick and chew and and they'll yawn, and they're, it, it's, it's a release for them. It's an involuntary release, and they'll yawn and yawn and yawn uh, because now what I feel is I'm putting the energy in through all the chakras, and that's actually helping the whole energy throughout the body. Right. Uh, when you mention this, and I, I, I love the concept of uh, resonance and um, sound, Mm-hmm. I think there's something so, uh, well, musical about yeah. it, right? And I've had the experience a couple of times, about three three times I've done, uh, twice it was a yoga class where they had a set of crystal bowls with the, mm-hmm. the full uh, chakra-related tunes or tones. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really a magnificent experience. I mean, it... Uh, I could possibly be more sensitive to energy, but I I think even somebody who's never done anything uh, with energy could not deny the experience. Like, the postures were easier to get into. Mm -hmm. It felt like I could hold certain postures longer. And certainly just the sound itself was very um, uplifting and helped me to focus throughout, throughout the class. And uh, and I also then, inspired by that, one time went to a person who uses crystal bowls uh, for a healing session. And I have a chronic uh, gallbladder. You know, my mother, I think it's genetic. My mother had mm-hmm. hers out. And, uh, boy, it, it fixed that. So uh, it's, I have a lot of uh, positive experience with resonance-type healing. And as well have found uh, the chakra-related meditations, which... Quite simply, are just you know the, the colors the, the red, orange, yeah. yellow, uh, green, blue, and and purple. And um, it, another thing that we have with us today, kind of the, on the opposite end of things, you brought, uh, which I'm getting some for our staff. And this is more on the protective the protective side of technology because, mm-hmm. as many people may or may not know, uh, that are cell phones and the um, technology that we're using on a day-to-day basis is is harmful. It's causing uh, harmful radiation, and there are some companies out there that are developing ways to reduce that harmful mm-hmm. radiation, and, and this is one that has done some, some pretty amazing research uh, showing that they can actually reduce by 70%. Yeah. The, the harmful radiation coming off of cell phones. Yeah, and that, that was um, independently uh, measured by a lab that does all the SAR testing and so on. And the brilliance of that is that it doesn't try to counteract it with other electromagnetic things. It actually has a chip on there that absorbs the electromagnetic energy, okay. and, and then when it's full, like squeezing out a sponge that's full, it actually sends it out as harmless light. Right. And it reduces by 70%. And and, uh, um, I, and there is a link that people can go to to see that SAR test and it being reported. Uh, but, it, you know, I get really concerned when I see so many young people using their phones so much and what truly are we doing. And there's right. enough information out there to say we are affecting the brain to right. some degree. Yeah. Um, so it's one way, and I think these can, as long as we can find where the 
uh, receiver is on the computers and so on, I think we can also help protect those and then also right. understand Wi-Fi's in your house and how right. to protect it. I think it's preventive medicine is, is, is a way to go and, and we're bombarded every day by all kinds of, of, of things that um, are coming to our lives that are actually poisonous to us, either energetically or, you know, a lot of the chemicals that we use. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, they say now, uh, like even the receipts, when we're handed a receipt, there's mm-hmm. chemicals on the receipts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, chemicals and pretty much, I think, and this was almost 10 years ago, I was able to uh, just audit the functional medicine uh, the AFMCP course, and mm-hmm. even w- way back then, they were they were talking about the results. They were pulling amniotic fluid and showing that women around the world, uh, their babies are exposed. To, I think it's over sixty or over a hundred chemicals in in the amniotic uh, fluid. So uh, we come in toxic. Yeah, and the other thing about the cell phones is that the increase in all the cell phone tires, and we complain to the company if we don't have a good reception. Right. So it increases the cell phone towers, and that's actually interfering with a lot of the wildlife. Like ability. the bees. The bees, yes, that's one of them. Yeah. And there's an experiment been done in Germany where they actually had a bunch of beehives and they put something similar to the cell phone EMF in, in, in some of the hives and others they didn't. And they got either reduced or no return from, from the right. bees in those, and the others had good return. The monarch butterfly... All the birds that actually migrate, right? They're um, being thrown off by the exactly the radiation yeah. from the cell phone towers. I wonder about satellite transmissions. I haven't researched the, the cell phone towers. We I can did only because, because initially my concern would be about not buying a house that was close to these very big power lines. Right. But they aren't anywhere near as bad as all the cell phone towers that are out there now. Right. So I think really, uh, um, I, I, you don't want to really scare people but I think an awareness of how you can protect yourself and then detox yourself occasionally and do the different things you don't have to get uh, you know bent out of shape and worry about it because right. if you worry about it all well, the time that's even then more you're toxic send, yeah, that's now, even you're, more now toxic. you're producing your own toxins with cytokines and uh, uh, cortisol yeah. right yeah. so, so, so yeah. exactly I think it's, it's, it's important for people to understand there are ways that they can reduce yeah the the toxin the toxins that they're getting they're getting in right we've talked about a lot yeah. uh, but I always ask people or we always want to know from people that we that we do the podcast with um, if there was one thing you were to recommend uh, to people or in this case for people's mm-hmm. animals what yeah. would be the number one wellness tip that you would recommend. So that's a tough one. But, <laughs> There's so but, many. Yeah. But the thing is, I think to have an open mind um, to understand, if I was to conclude, I think it really if you think about, even with the science we know now, the science that we're dealing with now is, is um, really Einsteinian physics and not Newtonian physics, but right. even with the backgrounds that we've got and what you probably did in... in um, uh, biology at school, depending on how long ago it was, but you have to recognize that the body, the human and the animal body, uh, we won't even go to plants at this point, is really comprised of about um, nine different systems like the circuitry, the digestive, the endocrine, the muscular, the nervous, the reproductive, respiratory, skeletal, urinary. And if you ask yourself, what are all these systems made of? 
So the question, the answer to that is tissues and organs. You know, you have a heart, you have a stomach, you have liver, you have a spleen. Um, so what are the tissues and organs made of? Well, they're made up of cells, as we can cut them and see the cells on under the microscope and so on. So then you ask the question, what are the cells made up? They're made up of molecules. So you probably see a picture of cell. They say it's got mitochondria, it's got Golgi, it's got a nucleus. And so that's a little factory in each individual cell doing the job that it's actually meant to do depending on where it is. But we have to recognize every cell in the body has the ability to make another body. Right. But where it lands up decides what part of that blueprint it's going to use, and it doesn't need the rest. So a liver cell has to act as a liver cell. A spleen cell, depending where it is in the spleen, has to do its job. So they all, they all have the different jobs. So the cells are made up of molecules, and the molecules are made up of atoms. You can see where I'm going with this. Yes. <laughs> what are atoms made of? Well, atoms are made up of subatomic particles, which are out in the environment, but are also in the cells. And what are they made up of? They're made up of energy. Right. So we're energetic beings. Right. And we already know by a lot of the um, uh, modalities that we use for diagnostics, like x-rays, MRIs, CAT scans, it's right. all different ways of measuring energy in the body. Right. So um, my best tip to anybody is that if you can actually, if you've got, a, if you've got an athletic animal, Get him checked energetically so that we can actually fix things before it spirals downhill, and then you've got to get another sports horse to replace it or another agility dog. You can actually keep them going a lot longer. So open your mind to to go to somebody that will do some energy. Right, and preventatively. I mean, because that's exactly. what, what yeah. you're saying is, you know, if we work energetically, mm-hmm. uh, preventatively, then you don't need uh, the hammer later. Exactly. <laughs> We were just talking about how all uh, the the body, the organ systems, break down into uh, basically energy. That everything is energy. Exactly. Uh, it breaks mm-hmm. down into subatomic particles and then into energy, and uh, and that ultimately, that probably in your, at least that you're recommending, the most powerful tool uh, that we could all have is to be open and aware that working from an energetic basis and preventatively is probably one of the most powerful things we can do to, to get well, stay well, uh, exactly. or keep our animals yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and we, we can probably put more seminars and stuff out there that go into more detail on different areas, but right. I, I just think that um, just be aware you don't have to use drugs for everything. Right. And, and I... As I confessed, I'm 73 years old, and I, 73 years young. 73 years young. Yes. Okay, and <laughs> I use very little in the way of, um, of pills and and things that I take. And if we look at a lot of people that maybe my age, they're using you know a lot of uh, of the different medications. And unfortunately, when you different people have different side effects, and the side effects that they get, they need another medication right. for. And then that spirals downhill. So I just ask people to be a little open and recognize that, yes, I, I, I do use some things. You know, if I need an antibiotic quickly, I'll use it. But then what I'll do is I'll also boost the immune system with right. one of my modalities and so on. And I think 
keeping the immune system boosted right. and so understanding how you do that you're actually it becomes very preventative and that that relates to diet and it relates to using some of the energy modalities so. i want to make sure that we've touched on all the points in your presentation mm-hmm. is there anything else um that we didn't include today no i think i i think that's great i think we've 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 um done what what it's I really, a good start right really there's plenty more we could it, go it, into it, it was a start and yeah. after all it was called introduction to energy medicine yeah. 101 energy medicine 101 energy so. medicine 101 and yeah. We're on the 101, so that yeah. is why yeah. why we went with that title. Uh, and well, I so I so appreciate you doing this with me, and I hope that we get to do it more often because everything that you know is uh, so much about what I'm passionate about. And uh, I don't have the the education. I mean, you have just an amazing. Uh, education and history if, if anybody wants to take the time to look at your bio it's very impressive and and you obviously don't hail from the United States you've you've had quite a journey uh, hark- back from uh, the United Kingdom and yeah. then through Canada, Canada. and here yeah. and I, uh, I I would venture to guess there's a lot more ahead I I wonder one last thing um, because you've done so much and you know so much, I'm wondering, you know, this piece of wisdom, what do you think is the, is the key to overcoming in life? I think being very open um, and, and being uh, able to say, this just isn't working for me. Is there something else out there? And I'm a self-confessed nerd, so I do a lot of reading and so on. And then it makes me more passionate. It's like... The big jigsaw of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was discussing with one of the people that were at your seminar just the other day. You know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And you go and learn one modality and it fits here. And then you find something else you hear about and it fits here. And he said, well, finding the jigsaw pieces, I said, well, no. you Something attracts you because your energy is positive and you're looking out there for it. It may fit in a different area, but as you're just putting this jigsaw puzzle of, of, of life together and you can use these different different modalities and encompass them into your own life. And whenever I speak in front of chiropractors, I, I apologize to them because when I was, first went for chiropractic and I had my PhD in veterinary microbiology and immunology, he told me if he adjusted my back, it could help my immune system. I what does he know about the immune system? Let me tell you, if he adjusts your back and you get that spinal thing and you get the autonomic nervous system involved, yes, it controls the immune system. So I bow to them and apologize. So you have to keep an open mind. And I know when I graduated from vet school, which was later in life than some, I got out and I felt there was a missing piece. And at that point I said, what is a missing piece? Or is it just that I've been bombarded for four years with so much information I can't simulate it? But there were missing pieces. And the the key that put me on the road and the path that I've gone today is where I had my own horses kept. I was seeing people blame horses for bad behavior, and I knew they were moving away from pain. Right. So I said, I've got to do something about this. So that that's what began my journey in integrative medicine. Right. When an animal's moving, they're behave, showing a behavior that's negative. They're moving away from pain. That's not, a powerful. That's yeah, not always, but in many kinds. And the pain might be something that was inflicted on them earlier, or it may just be pain. But as you get to watch their movements and get to understand them better, you realize that they are. Yeah. 
Well, this has been amazing. I so appreciate your time and uh, wealth of information, uh, Dr. Patricia Brown. This is uh, Lisa Thorpe with Alternative Health Tools. And I neglected to mention, but it's, of course, very important that Dr. Brown uh, is on our, our advisory board uh, with Intel Bio. Uh, she's been working with the technology, the electroequiscope, and other technologies that we carry and uh, helping us to demonstrate its efficacy uh, with both horses and uh, other animals, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for being here. It's and, been my pleasure. Uh, it's, it's an honor. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs>